I am Gautam Kumra, Chairman of McKinsey Asia, and you are listening to the Future of Asia podcast series. The Asian century has begun. The region is now the world's largest economy. As Asia's economies evolve further, the region has the potential to fuel and shape the next normal. In each episode, we are going to feature conversations with leaders from across the region to discuss what Asia's rise means for businesses across the globe. Join us. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the McKinsey Future of Asia podcast. My name is Debbie and I'm your host for today. In this episode we will be talking about health, in particular the impact of technology and social media on Gen Z's mental health. As part of a global survey, the McKinsey Health Institute or MHI for short asked more than 42,000 respondents in 26 countries questions based on four dimensions of health, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And what the survey results reveal might surprise you. Today, we are joined by Kana Enomoto, Senior Knowledge Expert and Associate Partner at McKinsey & Company. Based in Washington, D.C., Kana is also the Director of Brain Health at the McKinsey Health Institute. With us today is also Alistair Carmichael, an expert associate partner based in McKinsey's Sydney office, who also leads MHI in Australia and Asia. It's great to have you both with us today. Before we start, Kana, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about the survey, why you and your team decided to conduct it, and who is represented in this questionnaire. So we have been thinking about the brain health of Gen Z for a couple of years now. We know that there are unprecedented rates of young people experiencing symptoms of anxiety, depression, suicidality, and substance use. And so we were curious about how this generation is viewing their own health. And at McKinsey Health Institute, we have a four-part definition of health. We think about mental health, social health, physical health, and spiritual health. And we wanted to dig underneath whether or not our youngest generation is thinking differently from millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers. So we went to 26 countries, as she said, 42,000 people, and used consumer research methodology to ask people how they saw their own health, as well as their access to services and the factors around them that were really affecting their experiences. So Kana, the survey touched on multiple dimensions of health, as both you and I mentioned previously. So I think that includes mental, social, spiritual, and physical. So Kana, what did the results show and did some of it actually surprise you? Yeah, we did have some surprising results. Some things that weren't surprising, we knew that Gen Zers were experiencing worse mental health than others. So we saw that about 18% of Gen Zers around the world reported having poor or very poor mental health. But what we didn't expect was that one out of 10 Gen Zers also said they had poor physical health, which was very close to what we saw for Gen X, millennials, and baby boomers. Also, Gen Zers were more likely to report poor spiritual health than any other generation. So while about 14% of Gen Zers said they had poor or very poor spiritual health, only 5% of baby boomers said they had poor spiritual health. So these are really interesting data in that they tell us that there's variation across generations. And there's some unique factors about Gen Z where they're feeling very vulnerable across the board. 
And how much of these mental health or health challenges were caused by an exposure to social media and technology? And do you think, Alistair, that there was a big differentiation between different categories of respondents, such as between generations and countries? Social media is a big part of all respondents' everyday lives. More than 75% of people were saying that they use or check social media for at least 10 minutes a day. And for some cohorts, it was much, much more. More than 35% of Gen Z said it was more like two hours plus a day. But one of the things we need to remember for this topic is that mental health is multidimensional. It's influenced by our experience, our action, our biology. So rather than saying it's caused by social media and technology, What the research shows is that there are relationships between social media, technology, and mental health, and they're both positive and negative. Now, this is actually an important point. The research showed both positive and negative outcomes, with positive outstripping negative across demographics. That said, Gen Z and millennials are more likely than other generations to say that social media negatively affects their mental health. In Australia, for example, 40% of Gen Z said tech and media negatively affects their mental health compared to only 11% for baby boomers. And when we look at India, another country in our region, it was the most important factor when we look at what is negatively impacting their mental health. So it is a complex area with a number of things going on. And when we think about negative effects, we're thinking about things like fear of missing out. We're thinking about things like body image or self-confidence, which are important topics for our people and for our communities. We know from external and additional research that with young people, that there is something of an inverse relationship between screen time and psychological well-being, showing that higher utilization is associated with poor well-being. And so when you put it together, what we're seeing is that social media plays an important role. You've got positive and negative factors that is complicated, but there are some important things here for us to reflect on if we're to support our people in the best way. The other part of the question was, Where do we see differences? And you do see differences across generations. You see differences across gender. You see differences across countries or regions. In terms of generations, globally, one in seven baby boomers said that their mental health has declined over the past three years, understanding as we're coming through and out of the pandemic. But for our Gen Z respondents, it was more like one in four, suggesting that their experience, their subjective experience, that they've felt that has declined faster. When it comes to gender, female Gen Zs were almost twice as likely to report poor mental health when compared to their male counterparts, 21% versus 13%. But for some countries in our region, it was even worse. Australia was two times, 28% versus 14%. We also then saw differences in countries or by region. In our region, for example, that 20% of Gen Z in Indonesia reported that their mental health was poor, and it was some 26% in Japan. So I know there is a lot here, but putting it all together, Social media and tech usage, it's a nuanced topic. It's not all negative. It's not all positive. The negatives vary across generations and groups, but we do have members of our community, including Gen Z, calling out some significant negatives on their mental health and on their life. And so it's important that we look at what can be done as a community, that we bring the same nuance to addressing it. Alistair, what do you think accounts for these nuances between groups? And can it be explained by a particular reason? Or do you think there are a multitude of factors at play here? There are a multitude of factors at play. You are looking at things like different experience, different culture, different pressures, current pressures, different experience of upbringing. If you think about a generation, the baby boomers, what they were exposed to in upbringing versus maybe Gen Z's or even the Gen Alpha that follow them. 
We also need to take into account the impact of the pandemic. Countries differed in their approaches that they took, and that meant a different experience. The impact of a prolonged lockdown versus not can have a big impact on different people. We're also starting to see come through the impact of the financial challenges and geopolitical pressures. If you're feeling you're a higher risk of unemployment, that's likely to come through to reflect a lower level of health and subjective well-being. But there is another thing, though, to call out from the report, which is, and the research, is just how people consume social media and technology is important. Prior research has shown that there is a something of a dose response to consumption of social media and technology. The more time you spend on it, more likely to have a negative outcome. But the other thing is actually how you consume it, where passive consumption versus active engagement is associated with poorer outcomes. And this is somewhere where we see a generational difference. Gen Z, on average, tend to be more passive consumers than, say, our baby boomers might be. So now I just want to hone in on the negative effects of social media. Why do you think the negative effects of social media have been spotlighted in the media recently? Do these survey results that MHI has conducted go against the general sentiment that social media plays a significant part in deteriorating mental health among the youth? And could you elaborate on maybe on what Alistair had previously mentioned earlier? Sure. The first question that you asked is why does the media focus or highlight so much potential negative impacts of social media on youth mental health. And I think as a society and as humanity, we consistently worry about the things that are negatively affecting our youth. There was a form of media in the late 1700s, early 1800s that people were very concerned about their effects on youth. And that was books. (laughs) People were worried that books were corrupting the minds of young people. In the 1800s, people were worried that people were spending too much time in libraries. So I think we have focused on video games, magazines, news media, television, right? Like movies. What we consume as information is something that we should and need to be cautious about. But what we found in our research is that just like many relationships that people have between the ages of 18 and 24, the relationship that young people today have with social media, it's complicated. It's important to look at both the negative trends that we see, and certainly, as Alistair mentioned, how people use their social media can really make a difference in what impact that use has on people. And so for some people, particularly populations that have been minoritized, so certain religious or ethnic subgroups in a country where they are a minority of the population or LGBTQ plus youth in many parts of the world, the internet and social media are a lifeline to these groups because they give them a chance to connect with people who are like them, who understand them, and with whom they can relate. It's also a really positive place for creative expression. It's also a place where there is cyberbullying, where there is hate speech. And so we need to be very balanced and thoughtful in how we look at our relationship with media, how we support our young people in their relationship with social media and the time that they spend using it. And I would also note that many of the young people we surveyed said that they used technology to access mental health support. And actually that was happening across the board, across generations. And so the internet or technology offer an opportunity for people to get their mental, physical, social, spiritual health needs met, as well as placing them at risk at different times. So I hope that we can be objective as we look at the potential risks and benefits. Thank you, Kana. 
So then now that we've looked at sort of like the overview of trends and what the survey results show, I think the main question that a lot of our listeners would like to ask is that what can companies and business leaders take away from this survey and how possibly can they utilize technology and social media to their advantage, not only to alleviate workplace mental health problems within various generations, but also continue to increase productivity within the workplace. Alistair, maybe you would like to take the mic on this one. Employers and business leaders have an important role to play here. Doubly so because we know across our region in Asia, so many of our employees are struggling. Last year, our research showed somewhere in the order of 30% of employees across Asia are reporting symptoms of burnout. So with that backdrop, question is really what can they do? And there are a number of things. Firstly, learning about how social media and technology is used and can be used in your organization and cultivating the positive. As Kana mentioned, the positives around connecting communities, particularly minoritized communities, about self-expression, about community building, using your corporate social media to be a force for good in, the, in that space. But that requires listening and being authentic and not seeking to over-control. The second thing is actually using the technology that's out there to measure and using the technology to act. As Conrad mentioned, a number of our young people, and it's not just our young people, use social media to try and identify help. Employers can help with that. They can look at how people are getting access to their workplace mental health or employee health programs and see how technology can better enable that. They can also look at how technology can better enable how they act more generally around employee health. So thinking beyond resilience and, and wellness things, but actually thinking about how do you measure workload and how could corporate social media and technology provide some additional insights on that and some additional insights on experience. The third thing is really then working with and across communities. What we hear from actors right across the space is the need to work across, not just within. So that's employers working with technology companies, working with educators, working with health professionals, working with policy makers together to drive the positive outcomes here. There's some great research out there on the power of effective health promotion and what it takes, the power of certain interventions. So if you come together, you can increase the uptake, you can increase the availability and you can improve the conversation. We can break down some of the barriers around stigma and awareness that we see as particularly prevalent in our region. Now, for some of the listeners, they will be themselves running, designing tech companies, designing, delivering social media programs and platforms. Of course, they need to continue to be part of the broader dialogue around mental health, around youth mental health, because they can be powerful tools in promoting well-being. Actually, there's a number of examples out there of how certain platforms have deployed algorithms to try and spot people who are at risk or who are facing challenges. There's more to be done there in being able to connect people to the support they need, being able to identify where there is challenges and support our people. And that's going to mean that those tech companies, those social media companies continue to work within themselves and outside of themselves to do that. And so there are a number of things that you can do as an employer, but it starts with awareness. It starts with learning about the space and taking a nuanced view. It's not all one way here, but we do know the barriers between work and home have come down. Mental health is not a private question. We know there's stigma out there. We know there's social differences. We know there's cultural challenges, but this is too important not to work together to help our people. And in doing this, it's not just good for the community. It's not just good for society. It's actually good business too. Because we do know that if you go full potential on something like employee health, that's worth double digits to the GDP of the country. It's worth significant uptake around productivity for the employers as well. 
before I end off, Kana, would you have anything to say to that last question? You know, one of the things that has been really top of mind for me is the growing sense of crisis that we've seen in young people around the world, the increasing rates of suicide, overdose, and people going to the emergency room or finding other ways of getting emergency help for an overwhelming mental health crisis. And so we're working on how to help communities provide young people with someone to call, someone to respond, or a safe place to get help during a crisis. And the availability of these supports globally is quite varied, with the majority of countries having no national suicide or mental health crisis line. In addition, communities everywhere in every country and every geography really lack adequate community mental health services infrastructure to respond to the volume of young people experiencing these challenges each year. And so people end up in their schools with their families in emergency rooms, hospitals, or with law enforcement to try to bridge a gap that could save lives, really. And a popular model like dispatching specially trained mobile teams or providing a safe place for people to go for respite is even more rare. And so this is a gap that really technology could bridge. And so I'm hopeful that as young people are coming of age, that we work more across sectors to use technology in a way that can solve some of these problems. As Alice just mentioned, young people expect their schools to have robust mental health offerings. They expect their employers to have robust mental health offerings. They expect that these things will be available to them when and how they need them, including virtually. And so I think it's incumbent on us as folks who care about and support young people, uh, to work with researchers, to work with the tech companies, to work with the healthcare system and governments to think about what solutions we could offer that could help close the gap of what's needed and what's available. And also to think about the world of prevention and promotion. So could we have a more precision prevention approach by talking to young people, using algorithms for the power of good what does this young person need? What types of messages would they find most supportive? How can we use these data to help connect these folks with services that might be most useful to them or supports or information that would be inspiring or healing? Technology can become actively engaged in promoting the health of Gen Z and beyond. Thank you, Kana and Alistair, for joining us today. I think this has been a really interesting discussion on the effects of technology and social media on mental health, in particular on the youth of today. Thank you, Debbie. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks, Debbie. It's great to be here. And thank you all for listening today to the newest episode of the Future of Asia podcast. You have been listening to the Future of Asia podcast by McKinsey and Company. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com slash futureofasia or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.